This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, and joined as always by my co-host Dylan Ray. And we have with us on her very first podcast, we have Nicole Miller. Nicole, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, you guys, for having me. Absolutely. We're excited. We always like it. It's always a an honor for us to be somebody's first podcast because I'm sure this will not be your last one. Oh, uh, you might be right, but we'll yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> so congratulations for those of you who are not aware. I'm not sure where you've been, but anyway, Nicole's buck has been on magazines, online, um, huge, huge buck, and it was taken Ohio, correct? That's correct. Okay. And so um, we're going to get into a little bit more specifics about that buck later and in, in different things, but tell us about your buck when you got it where you got it how big it actually is and these are not these are not scores this is a an, an official measurement correct it's yeah, been official yeah this so this says here on north american whitetail um it has been submitted and accepted by pope and young and it is verified as the highest typical score on record submitted by a female bow hunter if the rack's entry score is confirmed by a panel of Pope and Young measurers at the next uh, biannual convention, i.e. the, the Reno, the panel, yeah, Reno, Nevada, um, 
scheduled for April of 2023. Shout out to stinking North American Whitetail for getting us in there. I know. Uh, then he will, in effect, be the woman's world record typical whitetail by vertical bow. Wow. Still crazy to hear. <laughs> That's just, how does that make you feel? Did you have any idea? Uh, I knew he was a good deer, but record, world record, women's world record, um, you know, I wasn't looking for that at all. So that was a huge just kind of icing on the cake for me. Yeah. Does your husband and, hunt? Yes, he hunts too. We don't not hunt anymore. He, he not gave anymore. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've never hunted together. Um, we just kind of go our own ways. So it's uh, we have more success that way. But Is that because you guys fight when you're in the tree stand? Because that's with um, me and my wife. That's the deal. We do a little bit. We always have a yeah. different opinion, and it's usually because of me. But <laughs> And so now that you've killed a bigger buck than he has, now does he have to listen to you more than he did before? Oh, no. Or did he always that'll, listen? That'll okay. never change. Now when he argues, just, just say 204. 204. Yeah. 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 Shut yeah. up, you know, 204. How many 200-inch bucks have you shot? Boom. Actually, I don't care where you are. She doesn't, Dylan, she doesn't have to use that with her husband. No. She can walk into any Anybody. room and Anybody. say that. How many 200-inch bucks have you shot? Because here's my yeah. score sheet. And then, of course, you're always going to have the, the guys, oh, yeah, I got seven or eight that size. And you just look no, at you dead don't. square in the eye. No, you don't. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to put up with that. You just, it's, um, and you, pr you probably get this because we had a buck, we had the Mel Johnson world record buck mm -hmm. at the eight archery trade show several years ago. And man, I don't, I couldn't count on both hands. The number of people who walk up and say, yeah, I got a couple that size. And I'm it's like, been the world record for 60 years. 60 years. Yeah. And and they're like, oh, I had a couple that size. And you just look over. And what you want to say is you are so full of it. You just have <laughs> no idea how bad I just want to verbally slap you. But you can't. You have to be nice. Yeah. And so we do and mess with them a little bit. And then they find out it's a world record. And uh, apparently their 162 and three eighths is not as big as the world record. So nice yeah. buck, not a world record. Right. Yours, however, it, and this is something, anyway, for, before we get into some of this, I want to hear about this hunt. So tell us about this buck, please. Um, well, we hunted him for about four years total, and um, we hunt on my dad's farm for him. And uh, I would say we started in 2018, um, and I'd hunted all season and hadn't seen a good deer. And... Uh, just happened. I was kind of pouty walking home early, um, making my way up through. And I was just basically trying to make it home before dark to catch anything moving to make a game plan for the next day. And uh, I was topping the hill and I thought I saw something. And this deer lifted its head and uh, I couldn't believe it. And we're like 25 yards apart at the time. And I knew that it was the best deer I'd seen on my dad's farm probably forever. And uh, maybe had ever definitely, been definitely forever. Yeah, I can yeah, I can yeah. say it was the best year I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, and that was probably when he was a three year old, so I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, so I contemplated shooting him. Then you know I had my bow in my hand and my binos in the other. And uh, when he lifted his head, he was facing me, and it was getting dark. And 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 just when you start to think about maybe trying to draw your bow, he just flipped around and ran back over the hill. Um, so that was the first time that I had seen him, but 
Um, now, see, was, it, I, I'm just gonna, Dylan. Here's the difference between somebody who kills a 200 inch buck and us. And us. Okay. He'd have already like, been plugged. I, if he's I crest at the top he's of plugged. the hill. I saw the headgear. I thought about shooting him. And and Nicole, just so you know, Dylan and I, we're like straight up killers. We're trigger we're like, men, yeah. There's no thinking involved. No. We're like, dude, take her. Go, go, go. Send it. Yeah. So, anyway, so kudos to you for, you know, the, the pause, letting him grow up. Someday your someday our fork and horns, Dylan, would grow up if we gave him a chance. So <laughs> anyway, please please continue. Um, so after that, you know, I, I wasn't sure who he was, and we usually keep pretty good track of our deer through trail cameras. So I couldn't, you know, make it around the farm quick enough to pull cards and and see if I had proof of him. But uh, uh the first picture I had was at the corner of a cornfield and it was a blurry picture and, and I still couldn't make out his rack, couldn't count points, but I knew he was a nice shooter. So, you know, I was after him from the get go. Um, he was probably a 170 that year, I would say. And, uh, and she thought about shooting him. <laughs> thought about shooting. I don't know if I've, I, I, I'm trying to think if I've seen a 170, not definitely not while I've been in the field hunting. So, so do you mind if I uh do you mind if I share my screen to show the pictures of the trail cam photos? No, go ahead. So this was the first year you're talking? Um, that second picture there on the left. Yeah, the middle picture on the left. That was yeah, that was what he was the first time I saw him. Cool. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. That's before he grew up. This is one Man. of those stories where you're like, Thank God I didn't shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. See, that's different. I'd have the other story. I'd have put him down right there, <laughs> and I'd have been, yeah. Look at me. Look at this great big buck I shot. Yeah. So, for sure. But oh my god! Wow. So that was this year. Yeah that that was, that, that was his twenty. Stuff. That was his last walk I had of him on a trail camera there. But dude look at the size of the body on that thing too look at the belly hanging down i mean that's a that's a call oh, yeah that's a healthy deer he has not missed a meal no he was well fed yeah so so you saw him and then all of a sudden you're getting trail camera pics of him and now you're seeing him every year yeah and so you know you kind of figure out a pattern with him and Every year, we, my dad and I both, we'd just be amped to get out there and hunt. And we both hunted like as hard as we could for him. And uh, we would just never see the deer. He was always nocturnal. And maybe you could count on one hand the time that we got daytime pictures of him during that four years. So he was definitely uh, outwitting us about every day, every day we hunted. So, um it wasn't until uh, a lot of times, like I, I love to shed hunt. And so I really think shed hunting and trail cameras really put everything together for me because um, I would learn, you know, we found two of his, we found three of his sheds on the farm over the years. And it was always on the same side of the property. So we mm. learned, you know, kind of where he felt comfortable moving and it was through thick timber. And so we were kind of learning his habits, but um I, we just uh, had very few encounters of him. My dad um, probably had more uh, seeing him in person than I did, but it just, uh, 
it was just really neat to hunt something that was that smart and that cagey. I mean, he knew where our trail cameras were. We would get pictures of him like walking backwards away from trail camera pictures. And uh, he was just really something. So um, I, I think. Yeah, go ahead. He's making faces at the trail cameras. <laughs> Elk love to do that. They like <laughs> yeah. stick their the whole mouth over the camera. Yeah. So I I think like um we would just go through cycles, you know, we I would hunt all the way through just hoping like cold weather would bring him out to food plots and you know, it just never worked out. And uh we were just waiting for maybe a neighbor to to be the lucky one instead of us. So we were always on pins and needles and just waiting on trail cam pictures to prove that he made it through the hunting season, which year after year he did. And mm. we learned that he would just come back at the end of um, October, kind of when the rut would really start to ramp up for us. So I think that last year I decided not to hunt, you know, because we come in at the end of September so I can hunt all of October. And I just decided to wait until the end of October to kind of keep the woods quiet and the pressure off all the deer. And then, you know, go in and target him again. And, and that kind of seemed to work out that last, last year for me, but it was, um, October 24th was the day I ended up getting him and it was in the morning. So, um, the hunt, the hunt was short and sweet. I mean, I went in in the morning in the dark and I had my climber set up already and, uh, with it raining and everything, it kept everything quiet. So I was able to sneak in pretty well, climb up pretty quiet and just, you know, set and wait. And I think it was about a half an hour after daylight. I just caught some bushes moving ahead of me. There was like a little knob and I was kind of around a bedding area. When I saw that bush moved, I like immediately grabbed my binos and I was sitting down at the time. And all I could see was just the very end of his beam pushing through briars and brush. And, uh, my heart, I mean, it just started racing because I knew it was game on then. But uh, And how far was that when you first saw him? I'm going to guess between 60 and 70 yards. So it's really thick. And that was the first, you know, just to catch move it, movement and see that horn coming through. And I knew I didn't have much time. So uh, I knew I had to get stood up without him catching me. And uh I, you know, I just would tell myself, you know, kind of like a little inner dialogue. It'd be like, stand up, see if you can get stood up. And if you can just reach for your bow. I, I didn't have anything. I had my bow on my hanger at the same, at that time. And, uh, so I was able to stand and he didn't catch me. I got my bow in my hand and he didn't catch me. And at this time he's probably 40 yards in front of my tree and he's on a V line. He's just coming right to my tree head on. And so. I'm standing, I've got my bow ready, the release is hooked, and I'm ready to go. And all I'm waiting for him to do is just pass my tree so I could have a quartering away shot. And right when he got to the point where I was going to draw on him, he all of a sudden, he did like a 90 degree turn and started to go up this bank where I had no shot within two seconds, like he would have been gone. And that would have been the end of it for me. So I decided, um, I drew and I decided I was going to do the bleat to get him stopped. And, uh, I bleated as loud as I could. And I, I probably, I don't know how loud it was actually, but it felt like I probably woke up the whole entire neighborhood. Um, but, and when I bleated, um, he stopped immediately in his tracks. So that worked and he turned and looked straight up at me 
And then I guessed him to be between 25 and 30 yards. I think I put my 30 yard pin on him and then took the shot. But that's pretty wow. much how it unfolded. Nice. That's uh so you mentioned something there, which is why it, it's well, you mentioned a lot of things there, some of them which are like, oh, well, we just decided not to hunt it for the first month. That makes me a little jealous because I've never had a place where you could do that. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of places I I grew up hunting, if I didn't hunt it, there would be somebody else there today. It's just a matter of time, matter yeah. of who. And uh, and then you're like, oh, well, I was just going to let him walk past me at 20 yards so I could get a quarter away shot. I'm like, man, you get that monster in front of you. I, that's because, because I could see it exactly kind of like you said, he gets to a certain point and then he turns and then all of a sudden he's gone. You're like, Oh, well, I could have shot him right there, but I wanted a better shot. And then now he's just gone. So yeah. I'm so glad it worked out and that you recognize that. Okay. I need to go now. Uh-huh. Yeah, by him turning, he put himself directly broadside. And uh, it was, you know, you couldn't ask for a better, you know, shot opportunity there, but it just had to happen within a split second. So, yeah. So I got, when he, I, go ahead, Jay. Uh, when he looked up at you, did he realize that he, is he looking up and say, oh, crap. She yeah. got me. Yeah. I, like, that was his thought. He looked up and you can tell. And I mean, it just, I shot him immediately because I didn't give him a chance to think about it. Right. But you could tell, yeah, he knew that he something was up. Yeah. So you seem to talk a lot about holding out and waiting and, and waiting for that day. Um, there's been a trend, Jason, on some local podcasts um, that I, I, I want to ask Nicole. If you have to pick, if you have a target buck, much like this buck, if you have one buck that you're trying to kill and you can only hunt three days in the year, consecutive three days, what three days are you choosing to hunt him? Three days is a tough one. November 11th has always been a good day of hunting for me, um, but I've never shot a deer on a November 11th. Um, it seems like um, I, if I had to pick, it would be like the the 10th, 11th, and 12th would be my top days here in Ohio. Oh, see, I said it on another podcast. I said 8th, 9th, and 10th. Yeah. That's what I said. Now, I, I actually take that back. I said... That if I want to kill any buck, if I just want to go out and shoot a buck, uh, those are the days I'm going to pick. If I have one target buck, I'm going to go December uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Um, after the rut, they're super powder ball on food. And, uh, you know, you can really nail down that one buck where he's eating, where he's bedding, and then pin him down. So, um, yeah, I was just curious to ask because that's kind of been going around a lot on some other podcasts. So, Once again, this is where I get a little jealous because that's, you know, like two months. After our season ends, yeah, Jason's already so, done. He's yeah, like, we're going to Canada to shoot birds. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, in fact, I might very well when this airs, I might very well be in a field shooting birds in Canada. Hundreds of birds. <laughs> yeah. There's, I I, fa- yeah. I I did my bow hunting time. I went out. I waited. I passed some elk. I passed some deer. I passed a ton of antelope. Yeah. Connected with a couple, but. But not enough. So I'm, I don't. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to get off topic here. But I do want to ask you, Jason, because yeah. you're about to go. By the time this airs, you'll probably be back or there. Um, the borders having been closed for two years, you mm-hmm. have to imagine that there's been some hunting pressure relieved from those birds. What are you expecting going into this? 
Uh, you know, you just never know. Insanity. You know, it depends on the year and it depends on the hatch. We're targeting, you know, we're shooting ducks, darks, and then our main quarry up there right now is snow geese because it's a 50 bird limit. So um, you never know. The hunting pressure could be down, uh, but but it's all about how the hatch was and, yeah. and where the birds are, if they're on a field that I can get, you know, that I can hunt or not. So, Because I heard a couple guides. The reason I asked is... uh we we just opened and again i don't know i don't know if this raffle is still going <laughs> because um, right. the last one sold out so quick but we just announced our uh, welcome back to canada raffle uh for a whitetail rut hunt and i got like seven comments from outfitters saying like we need you like we're being overwhelmed with bears because we're so used to selling all these bear hunts to americans and like our bear populations are outrageous so get up here and start killing stuff and i'm like huh Jason's about to go slaughter some birds. I wonder how it's going to be for him. I'm throwing my bow in just in case I get that call. Do it. So anyway, <laughs> but yeah, we, you know what, Nicole, we get off on some tangents here because, because, you know, well, that's kind of how we are, but um, we always have fun with it. So what else do you but, like to hunt? We got off on birds. What else do you like? To yeah. Hunt? A lot of turkey. There's a lot of turkeys behind you. Yeah. I, I like the turkey hunt. Um, Deer hunting is probably still number one, but turkey hunting in the spring. And then my husband is a coon hunter. We used to coon hunt some. So we did that and squirrel hunt for fun every once in a while, but mainly just deer and turkey are the two main things. Um, we've been on one mountain lion trip and that was about 10 years ago, but that's all that we've done outside of Ohio. So, Well, if you're killing 204 inch deer, there's really no need to go anywhere else. I'm just yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, where are you going to hunt this year? You know, it's just, I'm probably not doing anything at all. I'll probably just go, shoot, you know, hunt at the family farm. Yeah. And shoot a 200-inch buck. <laughs> so, you know, one one question that I have, and and I don't want this to come across bad in any way, because there, there's definitely oh, no. Crap. I know. <laughs> Set it up. Oh, crap. Uh, you know, because it, it's interesting, on, on your buck... I think was it North American Whitetail that that did the research and contacted us to find out. Yes, because we don't, as Pope and Young, we do not keep records based on. I don't even think we ask the sex of the hunter. We just yeah. if you submit it, you're just a hunter. Period. Right. And so, um, when you found out that hey, this is you know the the women's world record so to speak was that i mean I, what was going through your head are you like hey that's really cool or wh where does that put me total you know i mean which one or both i mean you could have both yeah well um just being in a separate category or split up into women's like that's something i never considered um i just you know the deer is the deer and i don't care um i mean i really didn't care what he scored but um, I, I just never thought of it that way, I guess. So when they started contacting me saying, you know, do you know that he could be potential like for a woman with a compound or vertical bow? And, you know, I'd never considered that because, you know, when you enter a deer, just like you say in the books, it's, you know, it's just about the deer. It's not about who took right. it. So, um, yeah. And when it did come through, I thought, you know, it's, um, it's a good thing to kind of promote women in hunting. So I thought, Absolutely. let's roll with it. So, 
yeah, I thought that was a, it, it's been pretty cool. So I won't lie about that. Yeah. And it's, um, I can't wait to see this thing at panel and at convention. I'm excited. I mean, it's a tremendous trophy and, you know, especially when, when you get to know a little bit more of the story about how much effort you put into this over years to target this bug and how you change your entire hunt for this one buck. Um, it makes it like, to me, that makes it even more special. So it'll be more, you know, something that I appreciate even more when I get to see it, but man, I, I can't wait to see it. And, you know, when you talk about promoting women in hunting, it's kind of neat because at our convention, at our panel, um, there's no, I mean, it's, we're all just one. We're well, Dylan and I aren't because we're not shooting great big stuff that gets invited to convention, but you know, the hunters that are there like yourself, um, are, it's all just one big group, one big, uh, you know, family, if if you will. And so Uh it's, um, now Jason, you said you can't wait to see this. Yeah. And let me just look at this buck. If you're not watching this on YouTube, Go to YouTube so you can see this buck. I'm looking at this. This is what you want to see in a highlighted whitetail. Dude, like, look at that is, mass. All that's the exactly the what you want to see. Yeah. <laughs> it's got everything. Now, listen, yeah. I'm not saying we've highlighted some ugly bucks, but the butcher buck is ugly. Sorry, Brian. The butcher <laughs> buck is ugly. Dude. Poor I love Brian. Brian. He's a great guy. Brian's a great guy. Deer. It's a really cool deer. But look, like, that's the kind of deer that you want to see highlighted. It's perfect. This, when you think. Tro- when you think big trophy white tail, oh my gosh, this it doesn't is get the better. Buck you think of this is the buck you think of, and, and yeah, sorry, I, Brian, but yeah, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a gear guy. Like I like to observe that kind of stuff. Shout out to the scent lock. Check that out, Jay. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're friends. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's it. That's great. So I yeah, I cannot wait to see that at at panel and convention and. You know, we have, it's pretty neat because once again, we, we don't discriminate anywhere. We invite the best of the best. So the yeah. last biennium, we, we don't care where you're from, who you are, what you look like, what size shoe you wear. We just invite the best trophies that are taken. And this is obviously going to be one of them. And, and we've had some really good, um, ladies representing lately i mean my gosh um who michaela with yeah. that that elk that velvet elk and shelly who we had on with the mountain um, line with that mountain line holy crap that was, was the biggest there, mountain line i think there seen. was there was five females that got awards last year is that correct i it's something like that there were a bunch yeah and it, it was um so it was really neat and you talked to some of these gals and it's like it's impressive because they live it. I mean, just like, just like you, I mean, you're, you're living it. You're, you're formulating game plans. You're using trail cameras. You're shed hunting. You're literally learning everything you can learn to target that buck. So that's, it's exciting. And I love that enthusiasm. I love the effort that people put into it because it's just, I'm on the West Coast, just a little bit different out here. We don't have some of those same opportunities, and it's it's yeah. really neat when I get to hear about them. Yeah. I got a two-part question for you. Sure. Did your husband get you into hunting, or were you already a hunter when you got married? 
Um, so that happened all about the same time. Um, but I've always been outdoorsy. My dad is the one that I would attribute getting me into hunting. Um, and then, um, he bought me my first bow for Christmas and I was about 20 at the time. And then my husband bought him, poor guy had to buy his own bow, but we got into shooting about the same time. So, um, he had been, uh, he'd gun hunted a lot through his childhood growing up, but I'd never really hunted until, um, I was about 20, um, 22 and that's right around when the, we got married. So we kind of dove head first together into that. Hey, Dylan, Dylan, yeah. before you get to the second part of your question, I now know why they argue when they're hunting. <laughs> I've figured this out. Why I'm not that? a marriage. Okay. To be fair, I am not a licensed marriage counselor <laughs> yet. Yeah, maybe you never know. Uh, however, I could tell because here's a guy. He's like, man, I met this fantastic lady. She's super fun. She's outdoorsy. Um, you know, she's got a farm and she doesn't hunt. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get free. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a, then all of a sudden, I think like, I'm gonna hunt. They, yeah, they get married, and then she's like, you know what? I think I'm gonna bow hunt too. And, it's, <laughs> and he's like, so that's probably why they're arguing because you know, yeah, and like, the court started right. Yeah, deep down inside, he's just like, oh, what happened? Dang so, it. Yeah. No, my and question was, my question yeah. was going to be, yes, what's your advice to husbands to get their wives involved in hunting? Um, however, since it was your dad, um, you know, there's probably a lot of dads listening to this who have daughters, uh, myself included. What's your tip for a dad to get his daughter involved in hunting and to buy into it? Uh, that's a good one. Um, I would say be patient. Because um, I think he tried to get me into it when I was younger, and um, I just wasn't quite there yet. But um, I, I, you know, be patient, and if if they show a spark of interest, just take it slow and and do as much as your daughter would, you know, appreciate at the time. And and uh, I'm never into forcing kids into too much, so. You know, just do what the kids enjoy and make it enjoyable for them. And that's that would be what I would say. The reason I ask is because I've got a four-year-old boy yeah, and he's all in. Like, literally, I'm waking him up at 5 a.m. tomorrow to go sit in a blind and he's oh. pumped. Yeah. Like, he's excited. But my daughters are like, oh, dirt. No. Like, yeah. I want to paint my nails. And, and I'm like, okay, what, whatever. I mean, I you do want to, them to to enjoy it, too. put but. the carpet in the blind, man. But no then my son can't play monster trucks in the dirt. That's take it out do. when he shows up. When he comes, ah. you take it out and throw it behind. Ah. Yeah, but that way there's no dirt. And let him paint their nails like yeah. camo. I yeah. got you. I'll tell you what. You talk about uh, about gal, you know, young ladies and girls. I don't know. Have you ever seen a bigger smile on a face than Kaylee's smile the other day when she got oh that? Oh my bug? gosh! Yeah, there's that. Holy smokes, man! Ear to ear grin. And, uh, yeah. And then she, you know, of course I had to call and say, ha, I got a buck before you did. <laughs> so anyway, it's, um, it's neat to see those big grins and, and that's, it's, it's just so fun to see, especially when the youngsters get involved like that. So, I mean, Nicole, now what's next, what are you going to do? How are you going to top this? Well, that's already established. I mean, that'll be it for me. Um, we took him to the taxidermist that day and I, they asked me if it was my first year. And I said, no, but he's probably my last. And 
they all get a chuckle out of that. But um, for me, I'm just going to continue hunting, just, you know, whatever makes me happy. Um, we'll probably never get this opportunity again. So I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Once is good. So are you, I mean, what's your mindset now? Are you out in the field saying, Hey, I know what 200 inches is. I want 200. Or are you out there saying, Hey, that's a, that's a 165 really high quality buck. That's my target buck. Um, my thing is a mature deer. So I like to age them through trail cameras, watch them over the years. And it doesn't, matter what they score i like to wait till they're five ish six you know five five six would be bragging if i said i could wait that long but usually five i just like to wait until they're mature and give them a chance to turn into something but they can be a 125 i you know i've shot a six pointer that was an old deer and i was just as happy with him so yeah good yeah that's you see that where where people have something just magnificent like that, and then they're like, "Uh oh, what's next?" Yeah. And uh, for for me, I, I guess I haven't shot enough, you know, big animals to uh, to not be okay with the next one coming by. So. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 been a it's been bittersweet because um, he's not there to go after, and that's been you know four years of my life. Oh, yeah. So amped and and now it's just um i mean we've got a couple nice target deer but they won't come anywhere close to him and uh it is it's a it's been a little bit of a transition for me this year but on the other hand i'm enjoying my time out there maybe feeling a little less pressured this year and just okay. kind of go out and just do my own thing and not be on pins and needles the whole season just let it happen so now here's a question because we have um, a lot of folks that we have on the show are, are like you, they're shooting big, big stuff. And they, they always remind Dylan and I that, Hey, if you, sh- if you want to shoot the big ones, you have to let the little ones go. And if you want to shoot the giants, i.e. 204, you have to let the big ones go. And so when you were out there, when you connected with that buck, did you have other opportunities? Were you passing other you know, trophy quality box, or was this kind of just the one that was in that zone or, or tell us about that? Uh, not too many opportunities. So like over those four years, I don't think there was another deer that I even picked my bow up for, but there were a couple, um, I'd put them in mid one thirties, one forties. And I know there was two that I let go. And the one was just a couple nights before I got Woody. Um, he came directly underneath my tree stand. It would have been a chip shot. And uh, I was really kind of regretting my decision because at that time, I didn't know if Woody had even made it through the season or not. So I didn't even yeah. know if he was there. And then this is like a two-day difference. So I feel like that was a, a test for me. Um, but yeah, the, there was only a couple times where I had chances at other deer uh, that's really pressured where we hunt and um you know it, it's it's tough to get on a good one and and stay on a big deer that you're targeting out there gotcha and so i'm assuming probably the 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 best experience in a tree stand would be seeing that big one when like you said when his horns are coming through the brush what's what's your second best or what's in your top three of experiences 
that you've been out in the tree scent, deer or, or whatever else, what would you say? Um, well, there was, um, there was another deer that I had hunted on public property and I didn't tell many people about, um, but it was kind of the same thing. We found him in the summertime by driving around in some fields and set up on him. And that was one of kind of a do it yourself thing on public ground, which was mm. pretty cool to me. But, uh, I think early that fall, I went out and I found this deer's sheds, which was just by pure luck. And I used my climber again in that same tree uh, where I found his sheds. And I ended up getting that buck. And that was on October 23rd. And that's been about eight years ago now. But that was one of my one of my favorite hunts besides the one for Woody. And it's just nice. Yeah. I just like being able to go out and do my own thing and, and getting a deer of his caliber on public land was a big accomplishment for me. So. Absolutely. And so you mentioned a couple of times you're using a climbing stand. Yeah. And so where you're hunting, um, I don't have a, a ton of experience with tree stands. I've, I've used them some, but where you're hunting, especially on the, the private, mm-hmm. why would you go with the climber instead of, like a ladder stand we have a lot of stands around and um i think sometimes we overhunt some of our stands um and i like to rather than it's harder for me to take down a, st- a set and move it myself and so okay. it's easier for me to be a little bit more movable with this tree stand with the climber you know and take it and put it where i need it in a pinch and so a lot of times that's what I'll do. And the area where I got Woody, um, we didn't have a stand. And I just decided I was going to take my climber in and see what happened. It was not an area that we would normally hunt. So climbers are good for me because I'm not buying, you know, a set of sticks and climber and, or sorry, a stand every time I need a new setup or moving things. Mm, okay. time consuming. Have you tried the saddle game? I've thought about it. I'm one of the clumsiest people you'll ever don't meet. Don't do it. So, yeah. Don't I, do uh, it. The I tree diaper. That's what I call it. Yeah. Shout out to, listen, I, I, Jason, I got, I don't think you can say that, Dylan. I got in <laughs> trouble actually on another podcast. I said, um, I was kind of making fun of saddles and I said tree diapers and, uh, <laughs> and, then I had to come back on another episode and say, listen, guys, I, I was joking. I don't have anything against saddle hunting. I just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you make that a hashtag tree diaper? Hashtag tree diapers. Um, yeah. no, here's my biggest issue. Same as, as Nicole just said, I've got like 94 tree stands. So why buy one thing to do away with nine? Uh, I literally have a storage unit that I hold tree stands in like why buy one thing to do away with all that? Like I've spent a lot of time and money on tree stands. I don't want to have to just get rid of them. Like, I don't know. Yeah. See, I don't think they're, the goal is to get rid of all your other ones. It's just to have another tool kind of like her climber. Yeah. But I've got climbers like climbers serve the same purpose essentially. I mean, yeah. So it's, and, and like Nicole said, I mean, you know, everywhere I hunt is mainly private ground. I mean, and so I've got, you know, on, on the place there in Oklahoma, I hunt, there's 13 tree stands hung up, ready to go. Like if, if I want to hunt in that area, I've got a tree stand ready to go. So for yeah. me, there's no need to, to take the leap to a, a, a 
a tree diaper. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And see, for me, I, I'm a ladder stand. I'm like 6'2". We'll say 250. Um, 240. And, yeah. Okay. 245 on my driver's license. Um, anyway, like for me, man, I'm a ladder stand. I don't like heights. A ladder stand feels a little bit more substantial to me. And uh, Hey, I, I told you I'm not afraid of heights. <laughs> uh, on that elk hunt, we were having trouble getting into them. And so what uh, the outfitter was like, well, dude, I got a stand hung up over here and I think they'll just work through there. So for a day, let's just try that. And we go in there and it was like a four mile hike and we get there and I look up and I promise you from the Creek bottom, I was standing in that, that hang on was 40, 40 feet in the air. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And it was an all day sit. So it's like, well, now or never. Yeah. Never, never. No, th no thank you. All right. How about Nicole? How do you feel about heights? I'm good with them. Um, okay. I, my husband wasn't so much when he first started out. I used to give him a hard time about it, but uh, he would get to hanging in a stand and get up there and he kind of lock up on me and his knees would start shaking, but um, he's overcome that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty good with heights. I've never had knees shaking, but man, I'm careful. When I'm up there, I'm like tree hugging, making sure that I've got like three extra straps just in case I drop one. It's scariest uh, moment in the tree stand. I had a, a big earthquake and like, I thought I was done. Like I turned around and grabbed that tree and I had a harness on, but you still don't want to fall. You don't have to. And, uh, and I turned around and grabbed that tree and that earthquake went on for about a minute. And I was like, Oh dude, I climbed down, went home. I was scared. <laughs> now when you say earthquake, was that the wind or yeah. a legitimate earthquake? No, it was a legit earthquake, but, okay. uh, there's been some times too. I mean, you get here in Kansas and the wind's ripping and it's, uh, it, it's been a little sketchy at, at times, but yeah, I've been in trees where the wind starts going and you feel and you're sway. back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And see a lot of times where I'm hunting, cause you're probably putting them in hardwoods. And a lot of times for us, the hardwoods are really small, like, like aspens, like quakies. Um, you know, not very big trees. And so they're not really tree stand material, but then there might be a nice big pine tree, but oh my gosh, man, the, the pitch. Pines will rip. Oh gosh. They just, the pitch is just endless on those things. So, well, if, if you had to go outside of Ohio again, to hunt something like you did with the mountain lions, what would be at the top of your list? Uh, elk. I'd love to go on an elk hunt. Um, talked to my dad about that a lot over the years, but, uh, um, I've just never made it happen, I guess, but I would love to go on an elk hunt or mule deer. I think that would be my first pick. Okay. That's, uh, well, I'll tell you what, when you come to Reno, bring your checkbook or your credit card. Yeah. You don't even you, need you money. Get an elk take hunt. We're going to have elk hunts and mule deer hunts on our auction. Yeah. So. And moose yeah, hunts and lion perfect. hunts and anything yeah. you want to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, no, we, we've been working hard. Uh, we've got some wonderful outfitters um, that have come up. They're really coming up with some really good stuff for us for a convention. So you're, you, if, if you ever wanted to, you'll have the option there to get just really super, super hunts. Okay. So it's, um, and are you going to make Reno? I'm hoping you're, you're planning yeah. to be there. Yeah. Um, 
we had a lot of questions about it. I didn't know much about it because I'm really a greenhorn, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I talked to a lot of people and uh, they said it's something that you don't want to miss. You know, they said you need to be yeah. there, experience it. And uh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah, that's I, I would say if. uh yeah, we should get her connected up with Shelly because she says, oh, this is my first one. It won't be my last one. She she yeah. just had a great time, you know, and yeah. she was recognized for her. My wife's not even a hunter and she loved it. Really? Yeah. Like, it's just, a, it's an experience. Yeah. It is. And it's so neat because the people there. Oh, my God. I mean, they're just, they're just great people. And you're, you're talking to folks that are legitimate, legitimate tip of the spear bow hunters from all over the country, all over North America, really. And they're just all there to have a good time and talk about their trophies. And mm-hmm. most of them have never shot a 200 inch whitetail. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, I, I really, I think you're going to enjoy it. I really do. So yeah. we're, we're working hard to make sure it's, it's the show that you want to be at. Oh, good. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to it really. Yeah. So the next cup magazine cover you're going to be on, what, what do you think that'll be? (laughs) I I, uh, haven't even thought past, you know, like they talked about, we kept it quiet for a long time. We, I just kind of joke around like, you know, I shot a really nice deer and nobody's even, nobody knows about him. And, uh, right. And then, you know, I give credit to the guys that scored my deer and they kind of got word out, you know, and, uh, um, have to say thanks to, um, to Ryan Huffman and Bob Wood. Cause those two guys, I think were the main ones that got me connected with Haynes and North American. And, you know, that was a, a dream come true for me. And those guys probably think that I'm, you know, wasn't that excited, but I promise you when I got off the phone with them, I was just jumping up and down and, you know, couldn't, you know, I just couldn't believe it. So yeah, that was a cool thing. But, that's, yeah. ex- that's so exciting. And, uh, yeah. So, so the next magazine cover you're going to be on is going to be North American whitetail. You're going to go back for another whitetail or are you going to go shoot a big elk, maybe NASCAR. I mean, what are you going to conquer next? I'd be foolish if I said there was going to be another one, but no, um, you know, this was, um, probably it for me and, you know, I'll keep hunting, but, uh, you, you know, this was, um, he was just the deer that made it through and, had the genetics and you know we've my dad has hunted for 40 years out you know this direction and i've hunted for 20 out there and he was the first one that even made it to that status that we've hunted so wow i'm just a local i'll probably just hunt around home and you know that's probably i'm not saying that's all i'll ever do but that's probably where i'll be (laughs) yeah your dad ever give me any inkling of like man why did i turn her into a hunter that could have been my book (laughs) I'm sure he's thought of it a time or two, but, um, you know, we would talk about him and then you just kind of go back and forth and, you know, we didn't talk a lot about, you know, you shoot him or I'll shoot him. We just kind of agreed that if he ever walked past this and gave us a shot, we were taking the shot and that we'd be just as happy if he would got it as if I would have got him. So, um, you know, we're both, you know, we both worked out okay. And, uh, you know, I really wish my dad was the one to get him. And I say that after I shot him, but, you know, he's worked so hard and it was his farm and he's the one that introduced me to it. And he's the one that had, you know, such a 
passion for it that got me into it. So, you know, I, I really, that's been an also like another bittersweet moment for getting Woody, but um, I think he's pretty you know, happy. It was one of us. I'll, I'll bet your dad, if he had it to do, I'll bet he had just as soon you got it as he did. That's most, yeah. most dads are that way. I know, you know, when I was 12 years old on my first hunt, my dad had a, had a buck spotted for me that, I mean, I didn't deserve it. I sure as heck didn't earn that thing, but, but he let me shoot it. And, and it was, uh, you know, that's what dads do. They, they just jump in and, and do it for the kiddos. And here in a few years, Dylan, you're not going to be shooting anything because he's going to be shooting them all. That's probably true, dude. He wants, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he's just like a, a freak, but like this morning he said, dad, are we going deer hunting? And I said, no, bub, that's tomorrow morning because I've been telling him, uh, Hey, we're going to go hunt at the end of the week. And, uh, and this morning I said, that's tomorrow morning. He said, we're going to make the deer scream. And I'm like, huh? Okay. <laughs> like, uh, sounds good, bud. Like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I don't know because he's just, you know, he's four. So I don't know if he just like, I don't know. Or if he's literally talking about, we're going to hunt them so hard that they're going to scream. But he's just, he's a freak, dude. Yeah. How would you, Dylan, if you had to give us a sample of what a deer scream would be like, can we hear that? <laughs> My son's in the room. You want to see if he can do it? Yeah, let's hear it. Hey, bub, come here. And Nicole's thinking she's off the hook, but right after the deer scream, we're going to get the bleep. We're going to get the 200-inch <laughs> buck stopper bleep. Hey, what sound do deer make? Here, you can use this. What sound did deer make? Okay, yeah, that's a scream. All right, that's a deer hey, scream. Kids got come here. He's got a heck of a turkey call. Listen to this. Make your turkey noise. Now you got a gobble. We can't. We can't hear him. You can't hear him. No, uh-uh. No. I he guess have to work on his volume. I know you heard the I know you heard the deer call. Now, that's a yeah. scream. They All right. I think the deer calls broke, but Yeah. So Nicole, let's let's hear I mean if this is legitimately a, a women's <laughs> a ladies world record um I mean you can stop a world record in its tracks with a bleep. I need to hear this. I Are need to add it? this to my arsenal. Um I don't know if I can do this or not. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, there's no pressure here. We're not going to run away. I promise you, neither Dylan or I are going to run away. If You, you know, know if my we... dad's going to watch this and he's going to give me a hard time. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Um, So it's just your, it's just your flat old meh, but louder. <laughs> okay. All right. You, you know what? I heard just... a guy. I heard a guy yeah. tell me a, a tip. I don't know what you want to call it, but he said, you know, what I have found, and he's a known big buck killer, uh, right. said, but you know what I have found is if I make a deer noise, they're looking for a deer. But if I make a turkey noise, they're just going to stop. They're not going to look at me. They're not going to. He said, so I always keep a, a reed call in my mouth, and if I need to stop a deer, I just chirp it. And they'll stop to look around just to see where the turkey is. But they're not going to be looking for another deer. They're going to be looking for a turkey. And so I didn't alert them as much as, and I'm like, huh, I've not tried it yet. but 
pretty good idea. He also said it's good for like if they see you moving, he said, I'll just chirp that. And then they automatically think they saw a turkey move. And so they just go back to feeding. Interesting. Like, oh, pretty smart. All right. Yeah, because other no wonder he looked up because he's like, "What is a deer doing up there? That doesn't. <laughs> Why is a deer in the tree? Why is it? How do you get up there? Yeah. So, well, that's um. All right. Well, we'll accept that. Um, and you know what, Dylan? Can you make a note? I think maybe when she comes up on stage, and Reno, she should we have her it. do that? Yeah. yeah. The, the yeah. world record stopper. Yeah, bleat. Uh, okay. How's yeah. that sound, Nicole? Embarrassing. Embarrassing? <laughs> hey, who? we would never embarrass anybody. Never. Couldn't no. happen. So, um, but one thing we do, we actually do do, is every episode of this show, we ask our one question. We ask, when you find yourself chasing whatever you're chasing if it's if it's going out for elk or if you decide to hunt pronghorns or if you're going to go chase another 200 inch whitetail what is some what is a non-traditional type item that you take with you along on the hunt oh that's a good one um while you think about it i've got one for you jason okay i've got one for you and it's the only reason i thought of it is because here on my desk moleskin i just take this with me wherever i go and then if there's a a place where my zipper is hitting on the tree stand constantly i can put it on the tree stand it'll stop that if i need to put a if it's ticking on my bow in a certain place i can put a piece on that and it'll stop that it just makes everything quieter moleskin moleskins it's literally a dollar 99 at any walmart target or dollar general and fred eichler gave me that tip and it changed my life well, thanks to Fred. Thanks, Fred. Yeah. How about you, Nicole? Are you going to give us a life-changing tip? Well, I could think of one. So I have, um, so as a wind detector, we'll use like milkweed and I'll keep yes. a different in yes. my little pack and it works pretty well. It's and the the best other one, if yeah. you still use a puffer bottle, you're not wrong, but you ain't right. Like, I'm just <laughs> telling you. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll have, and you know, eventually they all get kind of fuzzy and mashed up, and I'll find that fuzz everywhere for a year to come in my pack, but it's there if you need it. So, yeah, see, the puff balls are just so handy. Do you have milkweed though, Jason, where you're at? I've no idea. Okay. (laughs) So, what I wish I had my, it's fine little white fibers. And so, what I do, Nicole, here's a good tip for you. You know, those old coin purses? Like that you would pinch and, oh, yeah. and you could reach down and fill it with that. And then it'll act like a tissue bottle. Like, so you just pull it out and then the next one will be sticking out a little bit. So you can grab the next one each time. But Jason, it's just a little white fiber. You can just pull it out and drop it. So rather All than right. powder where it's just right there for, you know, seven feet, you can actually watch these for hundreds of yards because it's a white little ribbon floating through the air. And it'll actually work for thermals too. Like, so it, like rather than powder, you can watch it float or rise or drop with the thermals really cool you can buy it online too like if you don't have it where you're at just search yeah. milkweed indicator and they're like 14 bucks come stocked with it really cool. okay but wow. i have it at my local dam so i just drive over to the dam and pick a couple pods and that lasts me all season yeah well it must work and it's if, awesome you know what here's the deal 
I'll I'll commit to both to you. If I'm ever chasing a 200 inch whitetail, you'll get. Milkweed. I will go find some milkweed. <laughs> you need milkweed, yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's uh, Nicole. We sure appreciate you jumping Wait, she on. Said here she, with had us. she said oh, she, she had a couple. She said she did. Did she? I'm, I'm sorry, I jumped the gun oh, no. on that. Oh did well, you? toilet paper is my other one. Oh, but that's multiple uses. You know. Well, yeah, that's a given. Not multiple, not multiple uses. You only use it once. You're only supposed to use it once. Yeah. So I, I've never even seen oh, multiple use toilet but if paper. It'll, but if it'll help that's, me kill a 200 inch white tail, I'll use I'm it. telling you. Yeah, I Dylan, got myself here. That, that's so I use life changing. Tracking. tracking, like I use it for tracking. Oh yeah. I'll use okay. it for blood trail, but you know, it's there. You know, in emergencies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes that makes more sense than multiple. I mean, although if you talk life changing, multiple use toilet paper, <laughs> like pretty, that would be, be pretty neat. Yeah, I don't know, man. My dad had a hanky, and I swear I don't know if that thing ever. I mean, he didn't use it for toilet paper, but I don't. I I never saw that in the laundry growing up. It, so it it was. You want to talk multiple use? His hanky was out there for years. I think. But I'm anyway. just stoked she said milkweed. That makes me super happy. I know because you may or may not have mentioned that before. Did I? Somebody did. I thought it was yeah. you. Maybe I, I, I'm gonna have to I go back have. and replay some stuff. But it's um, it has come up before, and uh, it's awesome, dude. But I don't know if it was somebody's official answer. So I think this might be new yeah, for the list. That's the first one, yeah. So we're gonna. You know what? When we get to convention, let's let's make like eight and a half by 11 sheets and we'll just have a picture of everything everybody said yeah except, except for the uncrustables and then we'll do like a four foot by eight foot massive why don't we make a table and just like bring the items and lay them out it's a good idea that'd be cool i like that okay and then everybody that comes by like nick munn will be like dude i i said uncrustables and then i'll eat it I, yeah and then nicole's gonna be like milkweed that's mine and then she'll be like, oh, and, there's my used then, toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not she's really gonna be like, yeah. She's going to be like, milkweed's mine. And someone will be like, well, I think Dylan mentioned that. And she's like, yeah, but Dylan hasn't shot a 200 inch buck. So she'll just say mine. 204, baby. And I'm 204. Like, yeah. So, well, Nicole, can't wait to officially meet you in Reno. Um, and I, I'm definitely looking forward to, to taking a look at Woody and seeing him in person. I, I just, what a magnificent buck. So congratulations for that. And, and kudos for sticking with it and passing him when he was smaller so that he could get to that monster size. Well, I thank you. And I thank for the, thanks for the invite on having me on the show. It was really neat. This is just a cool experience for me. So I appreciate you guys taking the time and chatting with me. Absolutely. And well, this won't uh, be your last, I bet. <laughs> I'll well, my whole, yeah. yeah, my whole family's tired of uh, hearing about him. So this is one more way I get to talk about him a little more. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, you look at a buck like that and and considering how many whitetail hunters there are in this country who have, have probably never even seen a buck like that, let alone had a chance at him. It's uh, it's a great story and it's one people yeah. need to hear. And for me, it it inspires me to do more. And, you know, cause I didn't grow up with the trophy mentality. I grew up with the freezer mentality mm -hmm. and it's, 
it's different and you have to approach it completely different unless you're Chuck Adams and then the first buck he sees is a world record. But (laughs) for the rest of us who aren't, I mean, if I was a deer, I'd be like, dude, that's Chuck Adams. I'm going to go make a target for him, you know, but you know, for the rest, the rest of the time, for those of us who aren't Chuck Adams, you know, it's a, it's a total mentality switch. And so when I hear people like you, when I hear accomplished hunters that are out there and you're, using your entire year to set yourself up for this thing, you know, and and multiple years, it's, um, it really helps give me a new perspective because I try to take some of those tactics, not necessarily all of them, but, but I try to take the bits and pieces that, that fit for me to, and transfer them out to, to Western hunting. So it's, it's really neat for me to hear about that. and, And especially, when you have a plan and you spend years implementing your plan and then it all comes together and then you're on the cover of magazines. So anyway, once again, congratulations. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to hear your story and uh, can't wait to meet you in Reno. Thanks for having me. We'll see you. See you in Reno.